Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief Critic, coming from Ann Thompson's hotel room in Toronto. He's sitting on my bed. No funny stuff, at least not this early in the festival. He's a married man. And you're technically not divorced, so it (laughs) balances out. But uh, we've come a long way since we were last sitting on a park bench in Telluride, but the festival circuit waits for nobody. So we're getting deep into these things as we're still processing Telluride. Although I have to say... We have a pretty good sense of where things are at now yes. in terms of big fall in, movies. Yeah, I went in and, and did Gold Derby. I went in and uh, updated all my Oscar charts. I mean, it's I haven't seen A Star Is Born, which is which is gonna you're gonna go to a press screening tomorrow morning, and I'm gonna go to the the big gala on Sunday night because I want to see I want to see Lady Gaga and. Bradley Cooper do their thing. And what a scene is that going to be? I mean, that's yeah. the thing about Toronto. It's it's like, it's not necessarily that these movies are all launching for the first time, but there is something about the context here where the crowds are going to be a certain way. There's and a red carpet, there's a gala, there's a performative aspect, there are parties. You know, you could go overboard in Toronto, and I have been known to do this <laughs> with parties. It's too, you know, there's too much. And the other thing is all the awards conversation really does, it kind of starts with Telluride, but, but here's where it really kicks off. So Star is Born, for example, even though the reviews came out of Venice, you know the conversation is going to kick up a notch once people here start to see it, because there's oh. more, uh, you know, North American journalists and all that. Well, we have to see how it plays. Like, I, I can read the tea leaves and tell you that it looks like a commercial movie, that Warner Brothers has a hit on its hands. It had one of the great trailers. And obviously, Lady Gaga comes out of Venice with very good reviews. But what we need to see is how far does it go? Is it a best picture contender? Is it something more? That's what Toronto will help us to decide because there's also a much bigger group of media here. Whereas something like... Roma or the favorite because of the Telluride bump. There, there's a different kind of context that are, those those have been a little bit more inserted into the awards conversation well, in a way. We knew that the favorite playing Venice and opening New York after playing Venice and Telluride and Toronto, right? We knew that was going to be a big player. That's true. Although we should but revisit we, your theory from back then, where you said it was a front runner on the basis of all that. Because I did. It is a front runner. It's one of the top three movies. Contending for the Oscar at this moment. But if you were. Those top three are Roma and First Man and The Favorite. So are you ranking them now? Because that sounds. Yeah. um, Well, the trick there uh, is. Because I would say that sounds right. I would say that it sounds right. And I'm going to stick my neck out and say that's it. Even though Roma's black and white and. In Spanish language. It is so head and and shoulders. uh, Yeah. That too. It's so head and shoulders above all the other films in a way that I can't describe until you've seen it. You have to sit there and let this immersive... You you fall into the movie when you see it. Well, but the thing that's really surprising to me about Roma is that when I saw it, I was thinking, well, I don't know if hype is good for this movie because it's not like there's some Shyamalan type of twist. It's just a really impressive piece of filmmaking. There's There's, There's shocking stuff. There's a scene. There's a couple of... Twists. There, there are some twists. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're twists in the sense that it upends no. the entire movie. It's, it's just a, it's a, a good storytelling. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. really good storytelling. And it is the movie that at Telluride people seem to find common ground on the most, whereas something like The Favorite, which you know is totally my kind of wheelhouse, that's not gonna sit easy with everyone. But it's a movie that people right. like. This conversation I was having uh, with a couple people um, in Telluride. The the trick with something like the favorite. 
is that it doesn't have to be beloved in a consensus kind of way. Um, it's actually a question of how passionate you are mm. and how many people are passionate about it. So you could have some detractors, but it's also going to be beloved by the crafts. And the crafts are a very large segment of the academy. Yeah, that's any good period piece that is, but it's also Correct. it's a, it's a very so interesting have, period you know, piece. It's very, very spectacular, if, even a little bit controversial. The, the fisheye cinematography, you have the production design, very elaborate, very maj- majestic. You have the, the uh, dark... Uh, candlelit rooms and and some extraordinary uh, photography. Then you have these three great actresses tearing up the furniture, and you know the actors' branch is going to go wild for that. Right. So it's it's uh, they're going to do very well. Oh, it's it's a fun movie. To, well, but I will say that it, it, it Quaron versus Yorgos Lanthimos is an interesting sh- showdown because Quaron has been through this so many times. He can close his eyes and get nominated for an Oscar. Yorgos, uh, Yorgos has been nominated, but he he doesn't love talking about his work. I mean, as you a saw foreign me, language film. Yeah, it's a different oh, he's context. Funny. He's funny. Um, you saw me squirm when. I did that Q and A. He just yeah, he doesn't did, like to answer a, questions. You did. A, he was it, he, luckily he and Emma Stone, who was up there, have a little patter thing going on. Yeah. Where they make fun of each other. Started early because they're going to get yeah. sick of each other pretty soon. No, no, no. <laughs> she's really good in this, and Searchlight was smart to to give her uh, a tribute in Telluride because you do recognize that even for a young 29-year-old woman on the verge Insane. of turning 30, yeah. she's actually done very well. And it's true that, that she could have done so many things after La La Land. The fact that she chose this role where she gets dirty and she gets a little naked and she she's and you know she's, she's sexy in a certain and kind also of kind of evil way well yeah the sexuality of the movie is going to generate all kinds the of conversations men are just toys on the side you know they're really the, the three women are really running roughshod over this movie it is here's the thing about that movie and you've always talked about Lanthimos in this way and anybody who liked the lobster understands that he's a wicked man but there's this thing at the end with this controversial ending that doesn't explain the movie <laughs> that people get upset about, where you just, I just sat there in my seat going, oh, he's so wicked. Yeah, well, but I also, I loved hearing, it was like, Roman people were like, wow, I loved Roman. And then they were like, favorite, I liked it, but what was with that ending? Yeah. So I feel like you could start to see sort a of a pattern. piece. Yeah, too. which yeah. is fun. Yeah, and the thing, the thing about Roma, and I hope people do keep some of the plot twists to themselves, um, it, there, is, there is a lot to talk about. And my favorite interview in Telluride was sitting down with Alfonso, and really digging into it and learning things about it, and I look forward to writing that up. Yeah, and that guy can talk and talk and talk. I mean, he's he's legitimately good at sort of spilling his brain out to anybody in his vicinity. So it's, it's going to be fun to have him back on the campaign trail, as it were. And, of course, Damien Chazelle was, went through all this not too long ago. First he's, Man will be interesting to see how it does. I was not disappointed by First Man. Now, you could argue that First Man has more of the conventional attributes of a mainstream Oscar contender. Relative to the other two we're talking yeah, about, no question. Absolutely. And it may very well be, in, as the months go by, we may realize that First Man is the one you know that's ahead. But, but it has all the bells and whistles. It has a great performance by Ryan Gosling. And I actually, looking at my charts and everything... He could be the winner right now. I, I thought he was the weakest link of the oh, movie. Oh, <laughs> he was good. He is, is a hard part to play because he's such a straight, 
laced kind of tied up guy. But I think the challenge that I have with him is that he's been boxed in by his movie stardom and I just never totally was sold on him being anyone other than who he actually is in real life. I, I found him to be a, a challenging guy. playing Neil Armstrong. He's yeah, I, I, I didn't see him really inhabit that character as much as I would have liked. But what fortunately... About, about his child? Yeah, well I knew about that stuff going in. I mean the emotion is there. I think the emotion is more there because of the way that Chazelle made this movie. Shooting it on 16 millimeter creating a story that's more about the internal process that these people are going through than about the history we already know and that part is fascinating i think the the stuff on the moon is amazing and the craft on so this level is so he's using imax and, yeah. and he, he moves and everything's from, in camera he's and he's doing he moves from 16 to 35 to imax and there's some stunning vistas on the yeah. moon so that you have this intimate little drama on the ground and then this space epic they're in these tin cans right. and they're up Being in the cockpit is and terrifying. They're loud and he rattles you around and then he, you go out on this quiet, silent moonscape. And I, I talked to, I ran into a cinematographer at this bar in Telluride and he whipped out his iPhone and started showing me footage they shot. I mean, they, they were shooting, you know, on this desert landscape at night to make it look like the moon and digging craters so it was geographically accurate and stuff. I mean, th- this is the kind of thing that I think people are going to be having a really good time talking about how they pulled it off, basically. What's great about Chazelle is that he has this kind of focus and, and uh, intensity, and he has a very good instinct about storytelling. And this wasn't an obvious, easy slam dunk. He had help from the spotlight uh, screenwriter Josh Singer. They've been working on it for years. Bef- and in fact, it was around the time of Whiplash that they were starting, before La La Land. Well, you know, while La La Land was right. in progress. But it, it certainly, La La Land helped push this yeah. one over the finish line, and, and you can feel that. it was spotlight that put Chazelle onto Josh Singer, but this movie that he had written, which didn't do well at all, about Julian Assange. Right. Um, <laughs> well, he was looking for somebody who could kind of translate it. Yeah, you remember it actually opened in Toronto not oh, too many years so ago. Bad. It was I awful. That movie. Yeah, he's grown up a bit since no, no, then. <laughs> he, he wasn't his. You know, no one wanted to see a movie about uh, as as even Alex Gibney found out about Julian uh, Assange. But but it, anyway, those are the. Then there were other movies in Telluride um, that you know there was this documentary that you just saw about the Big Little Farm. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, was Big Little. Farm was sort of the dis- that was an unexpected that was the Telluride discovery as it were and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with it because from what I've under understand as we're recording it hasn't sold yet because there's a lot of money that's they being want asked a for. It. That's yeah, what they want. and 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 it could happen. It's, They're it's, kind of calculating <laughs> these people. They figured out that they they would start at their own farm. They would write a book about it. They would make a movie about yeah, it. Yeah, you feel like they you've been conned. For, <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. Rice. I mean. That that is if if that has been the scheme all along, it's a serious inv- long term investment because this documentary covers seven years of trying to make a farm work and mostly failing miserably. So it's got this vibe of like we bought a zoo meets planet Earth or something like that. It was like the photography is amazing and stuff, but it's like these people from L.A. who have no idea what they're doing and they have this consultant on the farm and he drops out of the picture pretty early and then they're clueless. So I think it's an interesting movie to see if it does it continue to pick up meet steam at toronto where there's so much other stuff and and, you know what difference is it going to make now and as i predicted on the dock front uh definitely breaking out of telluride and coming into toronto with a lot of steam is free solo which i think could challenge the top three um 
Oscar docs. That movie gave me an anxiety attack. I watched it oh, in the yeah. park in Telluride, watching this guy Alex Honnold uh, scale El Capitan with no ropes. You know, it's amazing the way they shot it, but it's also like a big part of the movie is getting inside his head and being like, what the hell is wrong with this guy to exactly. do that? And that's kind of why it works because you don't really have an answer. You know, by the time he does it, you're like, yeah, I mean, he talks in these vague terms about his commitment, but his girlfriend really cares about him. Like, what is wrong with this dude? So Remember, remember that Gus Van Zandt movie that was shot in the Jerry. desert right Jerry so with Casey this, Affleck and Matt Damon there's this thing about that movie that there's so much repetition right they're just yeah. going in the desert they're walking and they're walking and they're walking and they're starving and they're freaking out there's something about that repetition that's in this movie too there are these two handhold foothold challenges that he mm-hmm. has to get across this is what makes him not do it for so long he's practicing and practicing practicing and then when he finally does it without the ropes you're, I can't forget those two places on the Yeah, it's like you rock. know he made it because it got a lot of press when it happened, and if he died, it would be a very different kind of movie. But they also talk in the movie about how they're committed to making the movie even if he dies. So you do get swept up in the drama as if it was some sort of fictional story. It's kind of it's similar just, to the, it's the just other one. It's impossible to imagine anybody actually pulling it off, what he does. It's extraordinary. It's little tiny infinitesimal pieces of rock that he's yeah. balancing on. There's this one kick he has yeah, to do. Yeah, he spent yeah. a lot of the movie waiting for the kick to happen. You're like, there's no way he's going to do that yeah, kick. And you have these close-ups of this little portion of the shoe <laughs> on this little portion of the rock. So yeah. there's a couple of things that we're going to tell you right, we're, we're not talking about. Like, there was this all the, this this big open question about Boy Erased, which was Focus Features' Joel Edgerton film. And I think... You it's, and I disagree on this. It's an interesting movie. I think the so Lucas Hedges is really really good in this yes, movie. There's no question Russell Crowe is you know really threw the himself into the role. And Nicole Kid, the stuff between Lucas Hedges and Nicole Kidman as father and son, and we know the story here, which is that this he doesn't he's he's gay and he knows he's gay and he's had a couple of uh, encounters, one consensual and one not. And he and he was he was at the beginning of the movie. He's raped. Yeah, and it is a really upsetting. Doesn't thing. deal with that. Yeah, there, there, there's some stuff about it that made me wonder just how much they rushed this thing to get done. They didn't rush. They went over and over. It was in the editing room to the very last possible moment. And it was submitted. It was the last thing submitted mm. to Telluride and accepted at Telluride. Yeah, it's, it's strange to hear. I mean, I, I wanted this movie to succeed. I think they room, and I think there were reasons. It wasn't, it's not there. It's and not, of course... It's not written the right way, and it's not structured It's also right It's also hurt by Miseducation of Cameron Post winning at Sundance earlier this year. It's a movie that also deals with gay conversion therapy in, in some ways. Sounds more far successful super, yeah, to me. More, more intri- but, it, but, you know, Joel Edgerton is a talented filmmaker. I think he's made, he's made good. The Gift was a really good movie. I like there's, the there's stuff going on. I, mean, I think they could campaign for Lucas Hedges because he's so good sure, in the film and people it. like him. But he's been nominated. There's, there's plenty of actors who are ahead of him now. So then we have other things that, are, that have not screened yet. Not a ton, but in terms of things that are anticipated... We have Barry Jenkins' new film, If Beale Street Could That's Talk. That's the Toronto world premiere, that, and the Michael Moore. 
and the Michael Moore. And then, of course, we have things like Steve McQueen's Widows. So there's still a couple of possibilities out there that we can't fully assess. But it does kind of feel like we're at this stage where a big part of Toronto is just going to be seeing how certain things we're already familiar with continue to evolve. And then for people like me, it's like, well, what else can I see that's not an Oscar movie? I mean, I'm going to go after the midnight movies. I'm going to see Halloween and Predator. I'm going and to Halloween. Well, you have a very personal reason to go see Halloween. I so. was around. You were around then. back then, and you're still here. So, so uh, yeah, no, I want to see that. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm curious to see how the front runner plays out uh, here in Toronto. Of course, it's his Jason Reitman's hometown. All right, we should talk about that, that one. That's one another Telly Roy one. Quite the same acclaim. It wasn't that it was badly received. It just wasn't as warmly received. Yeah, I well, in Telluride. If you think about it, favorite Roma, even First Man. These are films that kind of transcend the obvious categories you might put them into. And I think Favorite sits very comfortably in a more familiar mold. It's you this, mean the front runner? The front runner. Thank you. I mean, there's too many movies Say to it keep again. track just start, of. The front runner. The front. The well, well, what I'm saying is the front runner fits more into yeah. this this familiar mold in in a very very derivative way. I mean, it's it's like the opening shot feels like it's straight out of the player or it's something. It's a long shot. Yeah, but but I do think that it's well done oh, to that take, end. If you like. Yeah, and and Hugh Jackman is not. He's good. He's, he's solid. Yeah, and the, the Gary Hart story is one that obviously hasn't been revisited in a long time and, and is kind of fascinating in this context. I wish it wasn't quite so down on all journalists to the extent that it is, but it also shows the extent to which his assumptions that his private life were irrelevant to voters to be not the case and sets the stage for our current media culture. So it's, that's interesting. It's an interesting murky thing. As I came out of the theater, the there were a couple of people arguing about it, and... The man was saying, oh, you know, his private life should be irrelevant. It's about what kind of a president he would be. And the woman was saying, no, there has to be transparency. We have to know everything there is to know about them. He can't lie. He can't cover up. And I was, I was, they were having a heated yeah. discussion. This is like I, a classic Telluride yeah. kind of like and Midwestern when, folks talking yes, about the movie. Very much so. And when I, and, and I'm not sure where they were from, but they were, you know, regular, smart uh, adult moviegoers. Um, and when I and when I uh, challenged uh, Reitman about this, he basically said that he doesn't tell you what to think, and he raises all these issues in the movie. But I wonder if the movie wouldn't be better if it had a stronger point of view. I think that's sort of the it's inter- it's interesting because it's like it feels like Reitman is trying to make a more commercial movie because if you go back to his earlier films, like Thank You for Smoking, very much reflected. His, his kind of libertarian worldview in a way and it seems like he's receded from that here like there's nothing really political about this political movie he feels strongly about the subject and it is political for him and he wants it to come out ahead of the election and so on yeah they are um, releasing it on yeah, election day but it, yeah. I don't think it's a political movie I don't think it's really about the stakes be. of the country it I mean it doesn't he thinks that the you don't he hear them talk the about whole, policies he, he I mean no a little bit I mean he's establishing him as a policy Wonk, who cared about all these things, it, it's more. It's more about um, how the coverage of politics changed with him, and that that was the turning point right. where a president's or, or a senator's or or people in politics, their private lives. Remember how protected Kennedy was, and all all the other people are, who, yeah. who, who 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 did things every day with the, with women and kept them hidden and kept of them course, out of sight. That and the message press played along. You know that message was explored, I think, quite well in. in in primary colors to some degree, yeah. which was a different era, but 
it, it's a little harder to assess in, in our current one where, you know, we have a president who's been married three times and seems to have had many more affairs. And so far that has not been the end of his career. No, so, right now, I think we're more on the side of the press than this movie that Reitman made. Yeah, I think that's part of the challenging thing. Because it is pretty the down on them. to be yeah. uh, telling us these things. Yeah, yeah. Very well, we much have so. we have a lot more to dig through. I think that's part of the the thing that's sort of challenging right now is that it's like a movie like this is just it's going to have a hard time bursting through some of that noise. But I do think it's worth seeing. So, so the one movie that from Tally Red that we still haven't talked about of note is The Old Man and the Gun, which as as expected played great for Robert Redford as a, as a movie overall in the middle of award season might be seen as kind of light a little bit less of a permanent conversation starter, but I, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Oh, it's delightful. It's charming, and David Lowry knows how to how to put a movie together, but it was a little on the slight side. Slim. Right. Which, slim pickings. You know, but, but I mean, she, it's almost but, like but it's a okay. statement about it's a, that. We're allowed yeah. to have that. It's kind of about the nostalgia. Have, exactly. Yeah, which is cool. And I mean, we really, can... It's really a riff on Robert Redford's yeah. career. Oh, for sure. It, than, it's explicitly you know, citing some of his right. earlier roles it's, and stuff. And so. it's a lovely Valentine to him and it's a present in a way and I think if it's possible that the Academy would feel that kind of fondness for a man who's decided to hang up his spurs at this yeah. point and Sissy Spacek is very good in it and Lowry is just this fascinating filmmaker he's still a really, really young guy at an earlyish stage of his career who seems to be making his headway into the studio world in very careful ways he said this funny thing to me when I ran into him on the street was that, which is that he accidentally made two Disney movies back to back because Pete's Dragon was for Disney and this is Fox Searchlight which is technically under Disney now and now he's going to go off and do Peter Pan so I think what's interesting is that you do see these really interesting crossroads now in the, in the business what that, I like uh, about Lowry besides his multitasking and all of his um, you know flexibility and and ability to go big go small you know keep his head on his shoulders while he's navigating all these different shoals that would actually throw a lot of other people who can't keep their voice straight while they're trying to adapt to all these different conditions he has yeah. a voice it's always there yeah the thing he has also is warmth yeah, it's always nice very, to see somebody who doesn't get too cynical. I mean, as much no, as I love Yorgos and everything, he's got that. He's got that sweetness, and that's a valuable thing. It's true in, in short supply in so many ways yeah, now. Exactly. So we've got to go see some movies, go to some dinners, run through some parties, and all that kind of stuff. But we'll be back in another week, hopefully with a whole bunch more buzz to dig through. So I'll talk to you then. Bye.